You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. We're back on FNTSY. Weekend Fantasy Update Hour number two. Got Gary Davenport coming up here in a minute. You know, it's of course you've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. I never knew that about you, and I just heard the commercial. But of course you haven't seen that. Of course, <laughs> of course you haven't seen Seinfeld. The most, and you didn't find Seinfeld funny. You're the only person in America that thinks you guys isn't funny. You saw him in stand up, and you're like, nah, I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like his observations. Uh, yeah, I thought he was all right. I didn't think there was anything special here. So, uh, so the show if came you out had a th- no interest, so throw a stand-up comedian out to me that you think is funny. Well, I'm a big. I was a big George Carlin fan until he passed away. Sam right, Kinison, you, same thing. All right. Dead. All right, great. Anybody whose heyday was post 1985. Any anybody? Wow, wow. Someone who's around my age throwing shade like this. Yeah, uh, Seinfeld's right around there. Other guys who I found, I think Chris Rock is funny. Dave is Chappelle. He, is, he, is his heyday considered post-85? I won't go any yeah. Murphy because I guess that's before 85, too. It is. All right, we're bringing Gary Davenport in here. He's going to be the arbiter here. Gary, I know it's not how he expected. First of all, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, gentlemen. How you doing? I'm not defending that I didn't like Seinfeld. I just didn't find it funny. All right. I, look, Gary is a reasonable person. I think he's got his finger on the pulse of pop culture uh, in a way. I know he's a little bit of a throwback guy when it comes to music, I think. Uh, and I, I'm going to ask you, have you ever seen an episode of Seinfeld, Gary? I have probably seen just about every. I don't know how you can now avoid seeing an episode of Seinfeld, given that it's on television 137 times a day now. That's that's another great point. It's we have these things on. called remote controls so we can click the channel. It. But you're like, you never thought, like, I'm going to just settle in. Let me give it one shot. You know, the master of your domain. I think the most I ever saw was actually at a draft. I think it was on TV at a draft. So I I heard it in the background during a draft. Other than that, you know, bits You know, I do a couple drafts every year with uh, Nick Bakai in it, who is in an episode of Seinfeld, the BO episode. Nick Bakai. I know a guy. He's so funny, that dude. That's awesome that you're in drafts with him. Uh, In any event. Well, I didn't expect to start it off like that. Uh, George just naming comedians from uh, from the time I was 12 years old and earlier uh, as his favorites. But uh, nonetheless, I assume you're competing in Scott Fishbowl. We just had uh, the, the man, the myth, the legend on in the last hour. So how are things going in your league? Oh, I would like to say well, but given my luck over the what nine years now, Scott Fishbowl's been around. <laughs> I'm sure that half my team will be injured before the regular season even starts. So I'd like to say my draft's going okay. I went quarterback a little earlier than I normally would, of course, because it's a super flex league. My wide receivers are a little weak, but they usually are on my teams because I have a tendency to hit running back hard. Try to make sure I had a couple at least halfway decent tight ends. So we'll see. 
All right. So, by the way, to those of you uh, that are unfamiliar with Gary, he's been on our show many, many times uh, at IDP Sharks on Twitter, NFL analyst at Bleacher Report, senior writer for Fantasy Sharks, and an IDP writer at Roto World. He's been football writer of the year for from the Fantasy Sports uh, Writers Association. So, uh, there you go. I'll set you up. George, you're next. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, and the non-Seinfeld questions here. Uh, you know, Gary, I always consider you Mr. IDP. I know I follow your rankings during the year at Fantasy Sharks. It helps me out. I, uh, I consider, consider myself an IDB person, but I, I think you're much better at it than I am. Uh, have you? I ask you this question every year, the first time you're on each season. Are we seeing an uptick at, at all in IDP leagues? You know, I think a little. I mean, we're certainly seeing an uptick in the amount of IDP information that's available to people that want to play in that format now, as opposed to 10 years or so ago when I really first started writing about it. I think it's always going to be a niche market. I would love to see one of the DFS providers at some point feature IDP, but I just, I realistically, I don't know if the money's in it for them. Yeah. There are certainly more people playing IDP now than there were when I started. So far as is there a big spike relative to last year? Probably not. But so far as I'm concerned, so long as we get a little steady improvement every year, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, and we we have seen a little bit on DFS and special contests, you know, especially around the AFC, NFC championship games and Super Bowls where they featured some IDP. So I think we could conceivably see a little bit more of that regularly. And I'm with you. I think that would really help popularize it and, and get people more familiar with how we score and how sort of we pay attention to the game in a way that might be a little bit different from other fantasy football fans. So, all right. Obviously a big story that came out yesterday was the NFL throwing the 18 game schedule, but the players only have to play 16 proposal in the NFL PA's lap so that they have to answer it. D Smith immediately comes back and says, we're not interested, which I think he's right. But in the event that something like that happened, it would be catastrophic for fantasy football. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because I, and I actually saw a couple of people who said that they would enjoy having to try to figure out, you know, which two games of the regular season your first round picks not going to play. And no, thank you. I mean, <laughs> it would just—it's it, going to wreck lineups. And I think we'll see a lot of them would wind up falling late in the season because teams yeah. are going to—you know—the teams in the middle of a playoff chase—they're going to roll out their best lineup every week. And then if they fade out come week 16, week 17, that's when all those guys are going to sit right in the middle of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, it would be a mess, a hot mess. Roger Goodell comes up with a hot mess. Even if you only limited it to the first 16 games, say, because you knew 17 and 18 would be a disaster, you'd still be rife with those guys taking off weeks 14, 15, and 16 random other weeks you know you're already dealing with by regular bye weeks and then you got your player bye weeks there would be no conceivable way to manage it other than to spray and pray for depth right absolutely i detest the notion that we do not need an 18 game regular season schedule 16 games is plenty it's fine it's the right number but at some point, honestly, we're probably going to wind up at 18 games, if only because I think I read it would mean $2.5 billion more revenue for the NFL every year. And just like everything else, it's all about money. I actually heard $5 billion. 
if they uh, were, to, uh, were to do this. So uh, I think what Gary said is right. Eventually money talks here. I don't know if they're ever going to go to the uh, the two games missing thing. I wonder if, they, if they're going to go to an 18 game. And listen, me personally, I'd love to see it because it kills the month of February, which I hate the month of February. It's cold. There's nothing to do here. It's too early for baseball. Football's ending. Valentine's Day's in February, which every male on the planet gets screwed on. Uh, so I'd like to see football go to the end of February, but that's just me. But I wonder if they so just so cold uh, for them to play. God, that would be brutal. Oh, play they play way. playoff games in Green Bay at night on Saturday night. But a couple. TV. They don't care. Just about a couple cold. teams. The best teams they, play a couple don't like that. They don't give it. They don't give a crap about the cold. All right, just, uh, I don't even want to hear that anymore. Uh, go back to day playoff games then. It'll be a little warmer. <laughs> but uh, I wonder if they uh, add two extra games and an extra bye week. Add three extra weeks, make it a twenty game, uh, twenty week season. More money, 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 money for the TV things. But that being said, that whatever it is, what it is. I don't know if it'll ever come down. I don't know how much of this is all posturing. But what I wanted to ask, Gary, now we all play in uh, that heavy IDP league I was talking about on the on the other platform. I believe, Mike, you and Gary are in the same conference. I am not in your conference. But, yeah, Gary uh, and I are always no, Gar- neck and neck in that thing. Yeah, but uh, I'm not there. But, Gary, I had a choice uh, in the first uh, overall pick, uh, not first, first round pick this year, uh, taking uh, top two linebackers. And I had a choice between Devin White of Tampa Bay, who I ended up going with, or Mike's Pittsburgh Steelers uh, guy, Devin Bush, did I make the right choice? In a dynasty format, I believe you did. I don't know that I would be stunned to see Devin Bush outpoint Devin White in 2019, if only because Devin Bush doesn't face the kind of competition for tackles that Devin White does with Levante David in Tampa. But from a talent standpoint, I think White's a better. It's not that I think Devin Bush is a bad player. I think he will be a fine linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers for many, many years. I just think White's better. So, yes, I believe you made the correct call. Yeah, look, I, I in our league, it's I – about me, Mike. Yeah, in our league, that same league that we're talking about, I had an opportunity to take Devin Bush, and I passed, mainly because I'm so desperate – I was so desperate at wide receiver that I just felt like I had a punt on linebacker. It's actually a strength of my team. So I'm with Gary, uh, actually, on this. Uh, Devin Bush gets an immediate role. I can make an argument, obviously, for Devin Bush just being just as good or better dynasty pick. He just gets an immediate role. The Steelers didn't have somebody there. It's why they traded up and grabbed Devin Bush. They needed somebody to come in there and play right away. Is he going to be as good as Ryan Shazier? I hope so, but that's a really high hopes for to give somebody, especially as a rookie. He's got a lot of pressure on him, and I just think he will ultimately make a lot of plays. Um now, sort of pulling back on that conversation for a second, how about some other guys that are rookies or even coming back from injury that are going to impact the IDP landscape this season that weren't able to a year or two ago? Well, so far as a rookie, there's a fair amount of, bu- a fair amount of buzz, excuse me, coming out of Indianapolis about Bobby Okereke, the young linebacker they drafted and that he could ostensibly push Anthony Walker for the starting middle linebacker job there. That's good news for me. Now, I'm not saying he's going to make the kind of rookie impact Darius Leonard did last year for the Colts because that sort of guy doesn't come along every year, but he's a guy who's going to be available late in a lot of drafts, so you're definitely going to want to watch as we move into training camp and see if that challenge really does kind of bear out. Nick Vigil in Cincinnati is a guy who is falling late in a lot of drafts 
was a top 15 guy, I think, over the first five games last year before he got hurt for the Bengals. He's certainly not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. What he is is probably the best linebacker that a bad Cincinnati defense has right now. Certainly their best bet to stay on the field in sub packages. So I'm rostering him wherever I can. I think he was top 10 over the first month of the season last year. Had, I think, 49 total tackles over the first five games. I think he's a shoe in to lead the Bengals and stops if he can stay healthy this year. And it's cheap production that you can get late. You could probably pick him up as a fourth or fifth linebacker, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him be a quality third starter. Gary, if I remember correctly, you play in an IDP-only league. Am I right about that? Yes. This sounds fantastic, by the way. Uh, just tell me how this works. I'm, I'm just curious. about. I, I wish I could ever uh, start one like this, but I, I don't know. God forbid any of my friends play IDP in, my, in our home league, more or less an IDP-only league. But just tell me how it works. How, how do you go about – what's your drafting philosophy in this type of league? Oh, of course, it, a lot depends on the scoring. But in the two IDP – I play in two, actually, IDP-only leagues. Both those, the scoring is fairly tackle-heavy. So it's all about just banging away at the linebacker position early on and building a strong core there. Mix in a defensive lineman or two. Just like in standard IDP leagues, I usually wait until late to draft defensive backs and go for upside and be ready to cast those guys to the waiver wire if they don't play out. I've had a fair amount of success in them. You know, normally you'll have – it'll split out defensive ends and defensive tackles and cornerbacks and safeties. You'll start, you know, a couple ends, a tackle or two, anywhere from four to like half a dozen linebackers, a couple cornerbacks, a couple safeties, maybe a flex spot or two. It's a good time. So, all right, let's let's try to uh, – the one thing I like to sort of look at year over year is how have teams improved their defense? How is the defense changing? We're going to talk to Ryan Talbot from the Bills, uh, who's a Bills beat writer, uh, a little bit later this hour. George and I have talked uh, on the show before about how their offense is uninspiring, even in the midst of all the signings that they made. But the defense has really come together in an interesting way. I think they are a top 10 defense, maybe pushing towards a top five defense in the entire league. Do you agree with that? With the addition of Ed Oliver, he really rounds out this defense pretty nicely. But I'm curious your thoughts. I'll go top 10, definitely. And it's not a defense where you look at you know, the defensive front or the linebackers or the secondary and say, okay, that unit is a weak spot. That's an area that opponents will be able to exploit. You know, They're fairly deep front to back. Love Ed Oliver. I mean, I know there were a ton of comparisons between him and Aaron Donald before the draft. And I don't know that I'm necessarily willing to go quite that far, but you know, so many teams nowadays are looking for that disruptive kind of undersized three technique tackle that can push the pocket and get after the quarterback, as opposed to just a big space eater type. And it's going to be really interesting to see what Oliver's arrival means for guys like Jerry Hughes and Lorenzo Alexander, you know, maybe Oliver will draw a little attention away and let some of those edge guys, get after it a little bit more. You know, there can be some sneaky value to be had in IDP leagues there. Jerry Hughes is a guy who's dropping way late, hasn't put up great numbers the past two or three years, but they haven't been terrible. And you, if he can get two, maybe three more sacks, all of a sudden you're talking about a cheap DL2. And any time you can get cheap depth on the defensive front, that's worth pursuing. 
Gary, let me, you know, let's say we've convinced somebody right now to start an, uh, their own IDP uh, league uh, or having uh, individual uh, defensive players in their league. How would you suggest they do the point scoring system? Assuming it's a normal PPR league, four points for a touchdown pass, everything's normal. Do you believe linebackers should be the equivalent of a running back one, a running back two? How do you like to work your points scoring system? You know, I like to give the IDPs. I don't know that you necessarily right off the bat want to make the high-end linebackers as valuable as the high-end running backs. But RB2, that's a reasonable spot, I think, for the elite IDPs to score at that level. You want you want to have enough IDP starting and have those guys score highly enough relative to the offense to where it's going to make a difference, to where the owners in that league who take the time to do a little bit of research and who draft a solid defensive, that they can get an actual edge from that. It's just, if you're all you're going to do is add, if all you're going to do is add one defensive lineman, one linebacker and one defensive back, you're not really changing anything. It'll be just like team defenses and you'll just draft one really late. So give them some value, give them some teeth. I'm going to give you a rapid fire because I know you love JJ Watt, a better Watt brother, Uh, JJ or TJ. No, JJ. (laughs) I had to throw it. Come on. I had to give my Steelers some love there. You're a Browns fan. It's the first time in decades that you have some hope. Oh, what is your hope? You think they win the division? A... Yes, I do. And Garrett is going to have a monster year playing with Richardson and Vernon on that line. Oh, man. This is bad news for a Steelers fan. But, Gary, thanks as always. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at IDP Sharks. And we'll come back Ten. after the break. George and I on FNTSY Radio.